boy was walking to school and he heard a baby crying in the distance. He had followed those cries and found me all bundled up in a blanket in a box with a note that said, my name is Elizabeth Ann, please take good care of me. He ran up the street to the sheriff's office. That sheriff had returned, found me, drove me up to the hospital. And they had a search out for the birth mother, trying to find any kind of records of my birth at any nearest hospital or any kind of prenatal care for a woman. And there was no documentation. The search for the birth mother and my abandonment had hit the local newspaper. The police department actually received a letter in the mail from her saying, I'm the baby's mother, I'm 16 years old, I cannot take care of her, I'm leaving town. Handwriting was very different from the note that was left with me. After research, they had found nothing. So they ended up placing me in foster care. And I was in foster care for five months before I was adopted. You're listening to Born a Secret, Abandoned at Birth, a foundling podcast. You might be wondering what a foundling is. A foundling is an infant that was abandoned, found, and raised by someone else other than their mother or father. Each episode will cover a foundling's unique story of how they coped with life as a foundling and their pursuit to find out why their life started the way it did. I have always known that I was adopted. My parents had adopted two boys and then myself. They did a great job by being so open with all of us about our stories, our individual stories of how we all became a family. I grew up always knowing about it. I loved hearing my story. I asked about my story all the time. It actually made me feel special because nobody else shared that same beginning with me. I was the only foundling in the family. I was a little envious that my brothers did have the option of finding their biological mothers and fathers because they went through an adoption process. I didn't have that opportunity. I didn't have the ability to just go through the paperwork and go through the steps on finding biological family. Mine was an unknown. Once there's a mother out there that gets pregnant and hides the pregnancy from everybody and has a baby and leads the baby, there's really no paper trail. There's no way to find out who that mystery woman is. So that's where the DNA tests came. I knew that there were tests that you could find your ethnicity, but I didn't know that it stretched so far that you could find people that were blood related to you. So it took 33 years of my life before I knew or realized that there was actually a chance that I could begin a search. I had hesitated and I was nervous and didn't have a lot of money to buy the kits and go through the process. But there was one day my boss had put an article on my desk of the Burger King baby that reunited with her birth mom after 27 years. 
I read the article and it just kind of revamped my hope and my excitement of moving forward. I kind of copycatted her approach. A few weeks after that, I had created a poster. The poster had said, looking for my birth mother, she abandoned me on January 25th, 1981. On our doorstep at St. Edward's Catholic Church, please help me find her. A friend had taken my picture and I posted on Facebook and asked people to share it. And it just circled around the world. And from there, of course, that's when reporters and news stations were contacting me, asking to do stories and take me back to the site of where the Catholic Church used to be. It was amazing how huge it blew up. And the, the reports and the news clips went national. It was very exciting. With that, I had people that had contacted me. There were three very special people. Two of them were search angels, with one of them being a DNA specialist, and the other was a private investigator. All three of them had donated their time to me, and one of them had donated two kits, one through 23andMe and one through Ancestry DNA. My prayers had been answered. I didn't have the money to do it myself, and here are these actual angels that came to me through my story, and donated the kits to me so I could actually proceed and do what I really wanted to do and submit my DNA and start the process. I had two second cousins that were the closest match. And with second cousins, you wouldn't believe how quickly you can build a family tree with just those matches. So there were two family trees. Of course, maternal and paternal. And of course, it's very, very hard to tell where your biological mother or father lies on which family tree. There was one family tree that was very solid, very clear. There were six siblings in total. We were able to find four of the siblings on Facebook. There were two men and two women. I had sent each one of them a message. It was a very bold message, and it was straightforward. It explains my abandonment, but it was not written in harsh words. It was very light. It was very appropriate and very easygoing and curious. I explained that I wasn't intruding on anyone's life. I didn't want to upset anyone. All I wanted to know was just where I came from. And a couple of days had passed after I sent a message to the two men and the two women, and a response from one of them came through. And the response said, you have beautiful eyes. May I talk to you privately? Of course, I said yes. I was like, oh, my gosh, one of them responded. This is so amazing. This could be an aunt. It uh, could be my mother. We really thought one of the men was my father. So I was really thinking this could have been an aunt. So I gave her my phone number. She called and I answered with a happy, excited, hi, how are you? Super excited to talk to you and ask you questions. And there was a pause on her side. And after the pause, she said, I am your mother. We both just started crying over the phone. I couldn't believe I heard those words. It was amazing to hear those words. The conversation was really smooth. I wasn't nervous. I felt very calm. I felt at peace. Her and I just 
talked and we worked through our tears. I'm sure her, I know for a fact that her tears were guilt and sorrow and my tears were excitement and happiness. So we were on two completely different levels at that point. But once we started talking and easing into conversation, we talked about how I grew up and my search for her and my life. We were already feeling close felt like we had never been apart. It felt like she was always there. I don't know how to explain it. It was it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. The pieces of the puzzle kind of came together in different moments and different time frames. But basically with the full puzzle put together, her story is she had a one night stand with a very handsome gentleman. And that was it. One night stand. And then all of a sudden, a few months later, she finds out she's pregnant. She hides it from her family. She did not live at home. There were a couple times where some brothers or her mother had made a comment about weight gain, and she just kind of laughed it off, you know. So time came for her to go into labor. She actually had me by herself in her own apartment. Strong, brave woman. I can't even believe (laughs) she had me by herself in her own apartment. After she recovered a little bit and made sure I was okay, she went to the store and got a couple supplies. She actually kept me for three days before she made the decision to let me go, to separate. She wrapped me in a blanket wrote a note and took me over to the church. And she actually was heading back to her apartment when she realized, no, this is wrong. I want my baby. And by the time she went back for me, I had already been found and taken. So her chance to get me back was gone. And that is something that, (laughs) I'm going to start crying, (laughs) but that's something that had been sitting with her for 33 years that she had this, insane regret of leaving me and separating. Both of the letters and the note were from her. When I met her, I asked her, wrote the other note because the handwriting was completely different. And she said she was able to create two different forms of handwriting. And she had lied about her age because she was scared. Of course she was scared. She didn't want to get in trouble. And she tried to find a way to throw them off track. So she said she was 16 years old, but she was actually 19. She kept it hidden from everybody. Not one person knew. It was a very, very tight kept secret. The following October, after I was born, she met her now husband. They've been together ever since. She did tell me that she was never very straightforward with him with what happened, but he did know that there was some story of having a baby that she he didn't know the details and respected her privacy and respected that she didn't want to talk about it afterwards they got married and they ended up having their own children so I do have a half brother and a half sister they're younger than me it took about say a few weeks before she told her children once she told them of course she was a nervous wreck it's not a comfortable thing to talk about They are such beautiful people. They hugged her and said, it's okay. We love you. We can't wait to see her, meet her, talk to her. And she actually flew up 
to meet me about a month after us reuniting on the phone. So we were able to meet in person. She stayed with me for a few days and she got to meet my mother that raised me and very awkward, strange situation. But I wanted that to happen. It made me feel good. And so both of them helped me out and helped my feelings out by all of us just being together for a moment. I'd say a few months after that, she opened up to her brothers and sister. And we had a family Thanksgiving. I flew over and met all of them and quickly became part of the family. We're like two peas in a pod. The fact that we did not grow up together. I'm saying growing up because she was 19. She was still young. We weren't together for my whole, you know, 33 years of life. And then when we met, we're so similar, our, the way our voice sounds, the, the way that we talk, uh, just everything. It's, it's very interesting to be so similar to somebody that didn't raise you. DNA speaks very loudly with this relationship. I, I don't know what is in this, this bloodline, <laughs> but it's amazing. <laughs> they are such amazing people, every single one of them. It blows my mind how individually they're all very beautiful people. Finding my birth father, it's a completely different journey. I wanted to find him to complete the puzzle. Met a half-sister through Ancestry DNA. That sister was adopted, and she was reunited with her birth mother, and her birth mother had told my sister the birth father's name that was very similar to the one that I tracked down. I actually tried to reach out to my birth father by letters and by trying to contact his wife over Facebook, and it's just not going anywhere. I'm not getting responses. So I know who he is. I have a picture of him because of Facebook, and I think that's as far as I can go. And I'll respect the fact that he's not responding. The only thing I'd like to add is, even if you don't want anything to do with that child you separated with, please, please, please just give them the the respect and the knowledge of the important things that we should know, that we deserve to know. The Born a Secret podcast is on a mission to inspire compassion among all sides of the search journey and to raise awareness for the safe haven law. Go to bornasecret.com for more information about the podcast and ways to contribute. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Are you or someone you know pregnant and unsure what to do now? For information about the Safe Haven Law and Safe Haven Resources, please go to www.nationalsafehavenalliance.org or call 1-888-510-2229 for 24-7 confidential support.